Welcome to the McCurry Broadcasting Podcast. As today we are going to speak to a couple of Kennesaw State former athletes, Division One athletes, about some of the new NCAA protocols that have come through and uh, just kind of their take on how COVID is being handled. And uh, I really believe that the NCAA has the student's best interest in mind, but I also believe that doctors and nutritionalists and those people also have the best, the best, uh, I guess, expert advice for people regarding what they know. And then when it comes down to the ripple effect, they don't think about that. And so um, just to give you a very personal example was back in 1998, uh, I uh, I had a son named Bailey and Bailey was very sick with metachromatic leukodystrophy. He had been diagnosed, and it was a terminal illness, and we knew Bailey was going to be, um, he, he was not going to survive this and had about 12 months to live. And so as a very young uh, parent, I got, was given this, uh, this uh, situation to, to manage. So I sought out the advice of doctors. And I sought out the advice of nutritionalists and I sought out the advice of physical therapists and I've sought out advice for uh, my spiritual leaders and uh, my family. And when it came down to speaking with doctors, they only wanted life-saving advice. They only had life-saving advice for me. What What we had to do, what we could do to prolong Bailey's life. Well, Bailey, because of this illness, we knew he was never going to walk. He was never going to uh, be a normal child. His body was being attacked by it. It, it, His body was attacking itself, and he, within several months, was going to be probably fall into a coma, go blind, go deaf, uh, and have very little brain activity, even though his heart may have been beating his body, his quality of life would not have been there. So I had to make the decision whether I should put a feeding tube in Bailey or not, which would have prolonged his life for a very, uh, I mean, it could have been years. It could have been years. But we knew after 10 to 12 months, he was going to fall into a coma. So if we prolonged his life for 10 years, nine of those years were going to be in a coma. And that's it. No quality of life. And I had to make that decision. And I had doctors and I had nutritionalists tell me when I told them I had decided not to put a feeding tube in Bailey, they told me I was cruel. They told me I was insensitive. They told me that I was going to allow him to starve to death, which was a terrible way to die. And I had to make that decision. And here I was 22, 23 years old, 23 years old. Uh, and I sought out their advice, but what they were telling me, the doctors wanted life-saving uh, decisions made. The nutritionists wanted uh, life-saving nutritional habits for this child who was now going to be unable to chew food, unable to eat, but the feeding tube would sustain his life. However, and you can't take a feeding tube out. Once you make the decision to put a feeding tube in, you can't take it out. So the decision was to, 
my decision. It was my decision. And I decided not to give Bailey a feeding tube. And Bailey passed away on April 17th, 1999. And we gave him the best care we, we could. We made sure the doctors and the nurses that he saw understood what our decision was. And he passed away peacefully um, with surrounded by family. And I think it was the right decision to do. Now, the doctors, and, and as I reflect on that time in my life and having to make those decisions, those doctors were trying to give life-saving advice based on their expert opinion. They were not thinking about the ripple effect of my life, of Bailey's life. It was, what can we do right now to sustain his life? And that's it. And I think the doctors, I think the, uh, the doctors today with COVID are, and the epidemiologists and the, all the, I think they're all doing the exact same thing. When you, when you give experts the keys to the car, they're going to give you very smart, uh, very intricate, detailed information about what they know, and then that's it. You have to take that information and apply it to your life, your situation, looking one year, three years, five years, 10 years down the road. And I don't think that's what epidemiologists look at. I, think, I don't think that's what doctors look at. They look at what's the most important thing right now. How can we sustain life right now? And I'm not saying that's the wrong thing. I'm just saying your individual life isn't taken into consideration. Your individual circumstances are, take, are not taken into consideration. So with that being said, I wanted to reach out to uh, some athletes, and I thought it'd be best to, to do former athletes because I don't want anybody to uh, speak and represent a, a university or an organization. So I reached out to some former athletes to discuss how NCAA is handling the COVID uh, protocols, uh, the vaccination and unvaccinated players. And, uh, I've got some, well, a little bit surprising answers from, from the players. Uh, Kelly Marcinick was the first player that I got a chance to interview a four-year starter at Kennesaw state on the volleyball team. She was the a son freshman of the year in 2014, I believe. And, um, she gave us a great insight on, on her, perspective. And then I got a chance to talk to former Kennesaw State football player, uh, defensive lineman Barkley Miller, and he gave me his perspective. We were trying to get Taylor Hinkle on, who was another Kennesaw State. We're also trying to get Taylor Hinkle on, who is also a Kennesaw State uh, former football player, but that just did not work out. But Kelly and Barkley gave us some great information. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and welcome Kelly Marcinick to the program. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So this is a, a, a kind of a new topic. The NCAA just released COVID protocols, and I wanted to kind of dig deep with former student athletes to get their thoughts on some of the protocols that happened, what's going on with COVID, because everybody, and I'm not, this isn't going to be a political uh, opinion, political, this, we're not saying, you know, you should be one way or the other. I just want to know how people feel about it and, 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 uh, what's happening now you're in Florida and Florida's in the news because they, they've basically stayed open and, and are, um, are resisting any 
mass mandates and, and those things, whether you like it or not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about maybe how a student athlete would feel, a former student athlete would feel about the, the NCAA's handling and protocols and of, of how this goes. So my first question for you is, how have you been since leaving Kennesaw State? How has your adjustment into kind of adulthood uh, been going? Yeah, it's been a time, that's for sure. So after college, I stayed in Atlanta for three years. And then when COVID hit, I kind of did some soul searching. I thought about just renting a house down here in Florida for maybe a month or so just to kind of escape just to kind of be away. I mean, we were all locked in inside anyway, so why not be in paradise when you're doing that? And then I went from that to searching actually to purchase a home. So I kind of came down to visit my family for a week and I decided it just wasn't the right time to buy. So I said, you know what, but I'm doing it. My last night I said, I'm doing it. My family kind of took me to the beach just to kind of watch the sunset. And I said, yep, this is where I belong. And then I just decided to rent an apartment down here and I actually just signed my second lease for another 15 months. So it's been a wild journey, but I'm definitely where I belong. That's for sure. Well, if anybody wants to keep up with Kelly, your social media, (laughs) keeping up with Kelly, um, it's fun. It's uh, you're you're obviously um, someone who's doing the living the right way and doing things and having having fun doing it. And everything you post is always entertaining and funny. But um, so let's kind of think back to your time at at Kennesaw State. You're a student athlete. You're a four year starter. Um, accolades get dumped on you there in that first season. You're named a son a freshman. Kennesaw State's first ever. Atlantic Sun, now the A-Sun, uh, freshman of the year uh, selection. My daughters, who love to watch you play, I think you and you got to meet one of my daughters one time. She used to always come up to me when I'm calling the games and, did you see Kelly? Did you see Kelly? And I said, yeah, I saw Kelly. She did great. Um, but uh, talk about being a student. Talk about the challenges of being a student athlete without COVID, just the the workload of being a Division One student athlete in a full time college uh, uh, atmosphere, having to balance your nutrition and your workouts and your practices and your school workload. Yeah, I mean, I definitely look back and you know you you get to a point in life where you're like, wow, I could have done things a lot differently. Uh-huh. But I truly do owe it all to Kennesaw for and Coach Keith for. I mean, they changed my life. I mean, I was not the perfect student and everybody, you know, it, my, to even get into Kennesaw, it was a rough road. And a lot of people actually don't know that. I actually didn't know that I was going to Kennesaw until the second semester of my senior year. Cause I actually had a coach that kind of fought for me. I mean, he fought for me for sure to get there. And then kind of being at Kennesaw there, were, I mean, it's a lot. You're not used to, you know, you get up at, 5 a.m. I often had teammates that were banging on my door like let's go Kelly it's time to get up and you know you go to weights and then you go to class sweaty from weights and then you go to practice and then you just keep doing it all and all over again and at the same time you're also trying to have a life and sometimes life got a little too fun and a little too far away and I'm okay to admit that I mean we all go through stuff but to be honest everything that did happen at Kennesaw I wouldn't take it back because it truly made me who I am today. And it 
yeah, it opened my eyes to a lot of situations and it made me grow up even faster, but I was never afraid to share those circumstances that might have happened to me with others just to kind of help them. Isn't that kind of what college life is about, though? It's that major growth period of an adult now making decisions. And Coach Shunzel, you mentioned Coach Keith, Coach Keith Shunzel for, for Kennesaw State. I was talking to Hunter McKay yesterday, and he said Shunzel's now the most tenured coach there at KSU because Mike Sansing, who was a 30-year coach yeah. for baseball, has retired. And that's hard to believe. But Coach Shunzel seems to do it right. And I have a very good relationship with him and his wife, and and uh, he seems to do it right. So I guess good people in your lives matter, don't they? Definitely. And I, it's funny that we bring him up because one of the main questions my mom had when I was on my visit, she wasn't able to come with me for that visit, but we had her on the phone and she asked Coach Shunzel directly, how long are you going to be here? Because, I mean, that was his very first year. He mm-hmm. it was the first spring season. And he said, I mean, he said that he signed for five years and then to know that I was there for the end of that and that he just, I mean, what he's done for that program is just, he sat me down when I was on that visit and said, I know what you see right now. He goes, but please just trust me. And it's amazing to see what he's done throughout the years. Now this is this uh, kind of taking a curveball here. How was it watching him deal with his son being diagnosed with leukemia? Yeah, Oof, that's a tough subject to talk about because I, on my visit, I believe Griffin was only like, I mean, less than six months old. I'm pretty sure. And to see him grow up, I mean, he was. It was like that was my little brother, and to watch it happen, and then we knew something was wrong because for coach to not really be there in the beginning of the something was going, we knew something was off. Yeah. And then when they kind of told us about everything, I mean, it was heartbreaking. It makes me emotional now. That um, I did not it. mean to make you cry. No, I no, swear. No, no. no, you're good. But I mean, that was hard. Cause it's like, we have all this trust and coach Keith carried so much weight on his shoulders because we entrusted in him, you know, to make us good and make us better players. But what he dealt with at home, and I mean, it's his first, it's his first kid yeah. and he had a wife and I mean, to them, they weren't necessarily close to family, but I, I firmly believe that the way that the owl family just kind of stuck out for them, not just the volleyball team, but the whole community, it was, I think that's what ultimately was the greatest support system ever. And I think that's what really helped them get through it. Well, the good news is Griffin has come through that diagnosis and is oh, yeah. in remission and doing really well. And they obviously have a, another little boy, uh, in their family mm-hmm. now. So, uh, but so let's kind of, kind of turn that, uh, that, uh, topic into what we see now. COVID is obviously very serious and very real. And as a student athlete, your body is your, uh, is your, it's your bread and butter, right? It's, it's how you compete. It's how you uh, challenge your teammates. It's how you challenge the opponent. And how do you, how would you feel? How do you think these players feel going and now facing not only the rigors of what you were talking about school and, and the challenges of that, but now also having to go in and, and understand the challenges and the dangers that may be coming with not now the good news is that college students aren't dying from massively from this disease, but it's still a very serious disease and can, can 
make you sick. So how do you feel like a, a student athlete would should approach uh, the season as an athlete knowing that COVID's out there? Yeah, so ironically, Coach Keith was actually one of the last people that I had. We actually had breakfast together right before I left. And this was, I mean, this was over a year ago now. And it was at the time right before actually last season was going to be starting or should have been starting. And I remember asking, like, what's going to happen? And it was crazy to hear from a coach, like, we have no idea. Or, like, we don't even know what to tell the players. And I remember sitting there saying, I can't imagine like, I know what I've been through throughout the years, but like, I give these girls and all of these athletes so much credit because I mean, there's you, it's no matter what year you're in, you're you lost a season, mm-hmm. you lost a team that you didn't have the chance to really play with to the way that, you know, you wanted to. And I know there's a lot of girls or anyone that has family members, you know, that have COVID or got COVID. My, I had family members that were in the hospital. And it's not to say, I mean, everybody has their own opinion on it. But I guess for the girls, what I can say now is I now know how, even though it was shoved all down our throats, about, you know, <laughs> let's be healthy, like eat this, drink your water and all this stuff. If you feel something coming on, coach always said, you know, make sure you're drinking all your water. I didn't take that seriously back then. But now it's such a time that it's so important. I mean, in the last year and a half, I can say that I got my body in better health than I've ever been solely because I listened to what it needed. So wow, it's a time right now that if you need to rest because you feel something coming, you have to be honest about it. Yeah. I remember having, and this is not COVID related, but I had a concussion. I knew that I had one and I didn't want to say anything because I wanted to play. And then when I did say something, I was glad I did because it ultimately saved me as a person. It's not all about, at the end of the day, as much as you want it to be, it's not all about the sport that you're playing. Mm-hmm. You're a human being. So making sure that you're taking care of yourself and doing what you need to do. And so also right now, it's just, it's about your teammates. You're not just affecting yourself, but you're on a team. You're affecting a lot more people. And you, I mean, we were, you're looked at as, you're looked up to. You said it. I mean, your daughter, it's like, if I were to go out and make these, like, if I were to say things against COVID, people are going to look at me and judge me one way. Right. But yeah, it's just kind of like you're representing you and your teammates. So you have to make the best decisions. Yeah. And I think, I think that's probably the most frustrating thing because my daughters are now, believe it or not, Kelly, are 16 and 14, right? (laughs) Now I'm old. Now I'm old. You're old. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So, uh, so they're asking the questions, dad, should I get vaccinated? Dad, what do I know? What? And so of course I, I start digging into the research and I can't find good information. Well, I can find good information that fits one narrative. And then I find different inf- information that fits another narrative. Then I talk to doctors face to face and I literally have two pediatricians. One who says, get the vaccine, uh, that's it's safe. It can help, you know, prevent certain things. Yes, there's side effects, but kids are managing them well. And I have another pediatrician who's saying, don't get the vaccine. There's not enough research on their age group. It's not worth it. They're not, you know, they're, they're get, they may get sick, but they're not, you know, suffering from the, the ramifications. So it's like, I, I don't know. And I imagine as a student athlete, they're, they're seeing the same things um, and, and having to make those decisions. These are tough adult decisions that, 
a 20-year-old kid isn't equipped to 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 manage you know do you know what i'm saying yeah i really i mean even in at the national level watching interviews of players that you know tested positive twice and but at the end of the day we're athletes too like we have rights in every i the way that in my opinion the way that it's being forced upon people is just not acceptable and i know firsthand from friends that work directly with athletes that those athletes are big named people that are not afraid. And they're saying they're not afraid to walk away from the game. If this is how yeah. they have to walk away because the way that they choose, I mean, I just, I firmly believe that everybody has their own opinion about it, but I don't believe that we should be judging. A, I'm not judging someone. Right. I mean, personally, I'll be honest. I'm not getting the vaccine. I've made it very clear to certain circumstances that no matter what it is, I'm not going to get it right now. That's my choice. But if you were to tell me you got it, I'm not going to judge you. That right. your, everybody has their reasons for getting it. I know people that have to get it to go see their family that they haven't seen in two years. Right. I mean, there's different circumstances, but yeah, stopping the demonization of somebody for making a, a personal choice, I think, is crucial. Exactly. So, well, the NCA protocols that were released. By the way, you gave me chills um, with your passion, and, and it reminds me of how you played on the floor and. That your 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 mom, who I've met, and has uh, has done such a great job because your passion comes through, and that's what I want my daughters to have. You know, they they have to have passion for something. I I I'm a firm believer: if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And uh, Kelly Marsnick's not falling for anything, so I'm, I'm very I'm very proud of you. Um, Thank you. But uh, NCAA protocols. Were released. Vaccinated players and coaches uh, only get tested when symptomatic. I think that makes sense. Uh, the vaccine showing that it's got a good efficacy at least for six months. Um, unvaccinated players get tested three times a week. The question that I've that I have is: uh, Is this a a push to make it uncomfortable for athletes who've chosen not to get vaccinated? Um, is it a push to make life inconvenient and hard for them because they also will have to get contact traced, meaning if they have contact, close contact with a, a positive player, unvaccinated players have to quarantine and cannot play, whereas vaccinated players, um, they don't, they do not get quarantined. So just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a loaded question. I, <laughs> I know. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. I can't tell you how many times throughout my life that I had the flu and I was sick in bed with the flu and there's flu vaccines out there. I don't believe I've ever had one of them because I know so many people that got the flu vaccine still got the flu because there are so many different strains. Mm -hmm. And now with this, I, I just, that puts so many of these players in a position where it's like, well, why aren't you getting the vaccine and make our lives easier? So that we can play. We want to play. You're ruining it for us. Those are things that are going to be said. Right. And it's unfortunate because in my, like I've, I've said this from the beginning, I could get tested today and get my results tomorrow, but in the matter of, and it could come back negative tomorrow, but after right now I could go to the grocery store and I could get it. And then I'm infecting people. I mean, I just, to me, there's just no real answer of when you can get it, how you can get it. Yeah. I could be so safe around my teammates, but then I walk outside and somebody bumps into me 
I mean, we don't, we just don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's exactly the, the root issue. And I know Kennesaw state, I, I don't have any doubt that the people that I know with Kennesaw state, including coach Shunzel wants what's best for his student athletes. Um, and wants what's best for their health, their long-term life. Um, but when there are certain parameters put in, and the NCAA obviously has a lot of power, when there are certain parameters put in of you can forfeit a game because players aren't vaccinated and an outbreak has happened on your team, that affects the whole team. So uh, I think you're exactly right with those things, those conversations are going to be had and to the point where, and I don't know how volleyball, when y'all go on the road, do you room by position groups or do you room by like your friends? It, it was always different every time. The coaches just put you with someone new, just kind of every time. Okay. Yeah. So football generally rooms with position groups. So quarterbacks with quarterbacks, running backs with running backs. With COVID, you can't do that because if one quarterback is sick, then oh. your whole, <laughs> you know, yeah, wow. Yeah. So then they also have to, if they're flying, vaccinated players in one section, unvaccinated players in another section. I mean, it has really, really changed. And I don't think I don't think people that aren't around sports, the one the people that just enjoy spectating sports, they don't understand how much goes into travel, practices, uh, meals, all those things that have now had to be changed and divided. And uh you know that's something that that those coaches and those those operations folks have to consider um, in order to allow their student athletes to to take the field. So I, I do think you're you're exactly right. All right, I'm going to wind this up because you've been giving me so much good stuff. Give me where you're going, where you want to be in five years, and uh, and just wrap up your what playing a college Division one college athlete has done for you. So it's funny, I actually love this question about the where would you be in five years, because I think about the people that five years ago said where they would be today and yeah. never would have expected the last year and a half to happen. Right. So I think if anything, from what I've learned from this and actually lately, I mean, it could be wrong to some people. It could be right to some people. I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you know what, I now know why you've chosen to just live your life every day and not to let this affect you because I see how it's affecting a lot of people. And I, to be honest, I think the stress could make them sicker than the entire thing because of it. I know that moving here, I mean, I will be here for forever. I mean, this is my home. I am close to the beach where I can go outside. <laughs> I can walk outside with my dog and just, I feel that this is where I belong. And I now have a job. I work in, I actually do work in medical sales. And I work for a company that I truly couldn't ask for better bosses, anyone, a better community to surround myself with. And I would just say overall being an athlete in, I was put into a lot of different roles, not just on the court, but off the court that it has just taught me. Now it's taught me, unfortunately it took me a few years, but you don't always know, like you can't just tailor your words to one person, every person, every teammate is truly different. And now I know you literally have to talk to everyone differently because everyone deals with everything in different ways. So I've really learned to adapt to who I'm around or I know what to say now instead of 
what not to say or what not to do in certain situations. But overall, I am just taking the, I don't have a five-year plan because I could die tomorrow. So I'm living it today, or I could be taken away tomorrow. So sure. if I don't do something today, then I might not get that chance. So I don't like to look ahead five years because to me right now, I've literally, I li- I'm living in the moment. And to me, that's all I can ask for. I'm healthy today. If I'm not healthy tomorrow, I lived my life today. So, well, I I think COVID has has had an effect on a lot of people and had to redefine what live means, and and a lot of people don't define live as sit and sit at home and quarantine and don't go out and whatever. Um, although your heart's beating, you're you're not living all that much. And it sounds like you're doing great. I'm so so happy. Um, for you, um, I, have I'll continue to follow you and make stupid comments on posts that you, that you have, because, uh, you really look like you're having a great time and, and really, like I said, I have two daughters. I want them to live life to the fullest. I want them to have challenges. I want them to have ups and downs. I want them to, um, pick themselves up when they're struggling or have, have an issue. I want them to help each other. And that's life, right? That's life. So Kelly Marsnick, thank you so much for your time this morning. Um, I really do appreciate it. And I do appreciate your honesty and it is true. I love your passion and, and looks like you're doing everything in life with passion and doesn't get any better than that. So congratulations to that. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. All right. Kelly Marsnick, everybody, when we return, former Kennesaw State Owl football player Barkley Miller joins us to continue our chat about the NCAA and handling of COVID. And maybe we'll get into a couple other topics here on the McCurry Broadcasting Podcast. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting a Teenager Learning the Lingo. GOAT, G O A T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time, as in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner. They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to McCrary Broadcasting Podcast, and I'm really excited to be joined by former Kennesaw State athlete, football player, Barkley Miller of here on the McCurry Broadcasting Podcast. Barkley, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. The pride of Denham Springs and Livingston Parish in Louisiana, right? Hey, I like it. You got it right. A lot of people like to say Livingston County, man. I I appreciate that. And Nathan, I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm very excited to be a part of your podcast. Uh, It's something that whenever you told me last year, whenever we were, for all the viewers, me and Nathan did a did a game together last year yeah. because Nolan Alexander, the typical play-by-play guy, stepped into the TV booth for yep. a game. Um, and you told me a little bit about your podcast, man, during the game. And, uh, yeah, definitely been listening ever since. And thank you for having me on. I'm yeah. very excited. Well, listen, uh, first things first, and you lost a friend in Matt Frank uh, recently. And uh, for those of y'all who haven't got a chance to listen to Inside the Nest podcast, you and Brandon Sutton uh, talked in depth about Matt Frank, and it was a very – we all got to know Matt because we were there uh, with the OGs when when the football program was starting up, and it was just shocking news. And uh, just don't want don't want to you know uh, 
started off on a, a sad note, but it was we we knew him and and we just I couldn't start this without saying condolences to you as I know as a, as a friend and a, a a fellow athlete of his and to, and to his family. Um, in case any of them tune into the the podcast, but uh, just a word about Matt Frank, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and you know, I, I don't like it whenever people say it's a sad point because don't get me wrong, it's sad that he's gone. Um, but he is in a better place, man, and and he was he was such a big personality and character you couldn't help but get to know him. Um, and he he was very uh dynamic, you know he he was. He's a great guy. He will be missed by everybody. But, you know, it, it's given a lot of perspective to a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have realized, you know, life is short. And I will say Matt is one of the few people that I know that definitely lived life to the fullest. Uh, every time he woke up, it was he was going a million miles an hour and there was no stopping him. Uh, but, yeah, definitely rest in, pe- in peace to Matt Frank and yeah, man, thoughts and prayers with him and his family. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it kind of goes to, um, of course, Kennesaw State lost LD Clarity earlier in the season. The quarterback who'd come in and had played last year for them um, in a tragic, I mean, nonsensical incident where he was shot and killed down in Florida. Um, and it and it kind of goes to the point of the pressure that these student athletes are on and under, and things they deal with, and. I, at 20 years old, these kids aren't equipped to cope with with the stresses of college, athletics, nutrition, keeping your weight up or down, keep, you know all the stuff. But they throw. That's what makes college athletics so um, fun to watch is watch these young kids that shouldn't be able to do it do it. You know, and I've told I told I've told so many people the best thing for me about being on the sidelines of a college football game. Uh, or practice at the perch for Kennesaw State was I got a chance to see about 85 people give a hundred percent of themselves to the mission of Kennesaw State football every day, every down. And that's something you just you just don't see that. You don't see people give a hundred percent. And uh, you know what I'm saying. And, and that's that, that's a that's a lot of pressure for them to have to perform like that at that young age. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, and what you kind of went into there a little bit was is the difference that comes into play whenever we talk about being a Kennesaw State football player. Um, you heard Jake Lasser talk about it on our most recent podcast. Uh, it's something that gets talked about here and there, but doesn't ever really get hit on because a lot of people don't understand it. Um, somebody who's there like you, you've seen it firsthand. Um, <clears throat> being a Kennesaw State football player is that it's given 100% practice. It's always doing the right thing, man. And it's not for everybody because it's not easy. Um you know, running the triple option isn't easy. The way that we play defense isn't easy. The attacking four-two-five style that we have, I mean, but that's also why we win football games. I mean, you look at our roster versus Jacksonville State's roster, who currently we're 2-0 and against. I mean, you wouldn't think that we'd be able to hold their jockstrap, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it's the way that we play that matches us up. And then on top of that, the better athletes that keep coming into Kennesaw State to improve the – the type of player that we're getting there. I mean, it just keeps Kennesaw State taking those steps, you know. Um, so, no, you're, you're right. And, and one of the biggest sayings that, you know, is around college football is the – what is this? The pride, the passion, the pageantry of college football. Mm, right. Um, I feel like you miss that whenever you watch the NFL, man. I mean, once you take that next step, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of guys who are passionate about the sport. 
But from there, they're almost like mercenaries for hire. There's no pride. You know, don't get me wrong, they're Falcons, but the second they get traded to the Eagles, mm-hmm. they're an Eagle. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw it with Peyton Manning this past Hall of Fame induction. He got inducted under the Colts and the Broncos. Right. I mean, that's not something that you're going to have happen in college football. The only one that I kind of saw it with was Jalen Hurts. But even then, I feel like people think Jalen Hurts and they think Alabama. Right. Oh, no doubt. Really Oklahoma. Well, I'm a, um, I'm a big Buccaneers fan, and I've been a Buccaneers fan my whole life and born in Tampa, and their franchise has been terrible. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, I grew up uh, – I mean, yeah, they've just been terrible. Tom Brady comes in, and I'll be honest with you, it feels like he's on loan. He, he's not, he doesn't feel like he's a Buccaneer. He's a Patriot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, he is. I, I mean, and even – and I know he won a Super Bowl, and that was an amazing year last year. It was really cool to watch and everything. But – Whenever he does retire at 58 years old um, (laughs) (laughs) and gets inducted in the Hall of Fame, I mean, I don't see anybody sitting there going, yeah, he's going to be a uh, he's going to be a Buccaneer. I mean, he's going to be a Patriot. He he is. The Patriot way involves Tom Brady. Well, I I didn't plan on going this direction, but since we kind of brought it up, the NIL has changed the the landscape of college football. Do you believe it's a good thing for college athletes to be able to get? Uh, money from their uh, image likeness? So, I I don't think it's a bad thing. Okay. But I don't think it's a good thing. I think it can go one of two ways, right? Um, The thing that worries me, I think that this opens up a can of worms that you cannot put back in. Uh uh I mean, because this, this is the example that I try to give people a lot. So, we'll use current players, right? Um, Bo Nix, quarterback at Auburn. He gets the Milo sweet tea deal, and there's no cap to any of this right now, right? So, I mean, I know I saw yesterday Derek Stingley of LSU, some dealership sponsored him in the Baton Rouge area, gave him a brand-new Mustang GT350. I mean, that, that's insane. That's a forty fifty thousand $50,000 car, but either way, besides the point. Bo Nix, Milo sweet tea guy, right? Uh, let's just say that comes with the Milo sweet tea house. It's just uh-huh. this crazy decked out house that he can have whoever at and, you know, all this stuff and all that hoorah. He gets some limited sweet tea, all you know, all that good stuff. But let's just say going into the season, who, who who's their backup at Auburn? It's the guy who transferred in from LSU. Um Big tall kid. Um, I'd have to go look. Either I could, way, yeah, I could. I could tell you the backup quarterback for Stephen F. Austin, but I don't know who because because we I focus so much on the FCS. You know, yeah, what I'm yeah, no, me too, me too. <laughs> um, and, and it's hard to compare it to FCS because I feel like on the FCS level, the only way that these kids are really going to make money on their name, image, and likeness is like kind of like how Tanner Jones would have done it if he was still at Kennesaw with his TikToks. Yes, and, you know, he was such a big social media personality. That's how they're going to have to do it. It's not going to be these dealerships, Carl Black or anybody reaching out to any of these guys and sponsoring them. Right. Um, just because it's a different level. But e- even going back to my example, let's just say Bo Nix gets beat out the first game of the season and this backup kid ends up being the starter. Well, he's going to go – it's almost like the Wild West now. He's going to go and he's gonna be like, well, I want to be the Milo, the Milo Sweet Tea right. sponsored guy. And if it's not that, then I'm going to use my one free my one free transfer and go play at Alabama, right? Where they guaranteed me this sponsorship and money and everything. It, it's it's almost like the NFL, except free agency every year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I've heard a lot of people say that it's going to be good for the smaller teams with them being able to transfer and these kids getting money and all this stuff. And I disagree. I think it's going to make the bigger teams – I think it's going to create more of a polarity in college football, and we've kind of seen it a little bit. Like Henry Tua Tua, the guy from Tennessee, who is just an absolute monster, right. probably the best linebacker in college football right now, he didn't transfer to a smaller school. He didn't stay at Tennessee. He went to Alabama right. to go fill in for Dylan Moses, who stepped out and is now playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it, I, I do. I think that this did. I think it opened up a can of worms that is just so dangerous. They're going to have to put limits and caps and regulate this before it just gets so out of hand, which I think is kind of starting to. Um What's your opinion on that, though? Yeah, we, you know what? I think I think we're probably per- parallel on, on what we think because – on its face, players, individuals just as a whole should be able to make money with their name, with their own image and likeness. Um, but because we're not used to seeing college, the, the amateurism of college athletes and college football, um, we're not used to, to hearing and seeing these kind of things. So I think... And I think it can be – it's like the rich get richer. That star quarterback at Auburn is he's, – he's got national attention. He does – you know, he's going to be doing all kind of interviews. And now he's got this big Milo's uh, Sweet Tea contract. And the guys in the back are – who are just as much a part of the team as he is never get anything. You know, the defensive lineman who, who comes off the bench and is, is a key cog in a successful long football season – doesn't get an interview, doesn't get mentioned, doesn't, you know, it doesn't get anything. And so I think that if there's some kind of revenue sharing uh, aspect to it, I don't know. I, honestly, it's just so new. I, I do think it's the right thing to allow players to make money on their own name and their own talents. But I just, it feels like the rich get richer when it comes to NIL. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and I agree. I, I think that's wrong too. I think that's why personally I would have liked the NCAA if they were going to take this step to almost make it like a baseline of like, this is how much every guy that makes the roster is going to get paid because that was the argument first, right? Mm -hmm. The argument at first, which I made this argument in multiple papers while I was going to school at Kennesaw State was the football players and athletes period are more employees of the school than they are just normal students. Like they painted out to be, I mean, talk about putting in over 40 hours a week. We easily, we easily got that, especially during the season. Mm -hmm. All seasons probably more around, 30 something 240 hours but uh, the fact that it, it is like you said the rich get richer i mean these guys are going to go on and make multi-million dollar contracts anyway in their life but the swing like you said defensive tackle who is a key contributor gets nothing gets no recognition and just is going through life as it was before this whole nil thing i mean yeah not making any money not you know just still struggling and and it is tough i was there i was a college athlete if my parents didn't send me money out there the only place i was gonna eat was the commons um so, <laughs> which is nice uh, which is good yeah yeah well, which is nice they look nothing against the commons and no but no putting gas in my car right. you know, no no none of that so it is tough being an athlete and a lot of people don't understand because it's such a few amount of people get to even see that life mm-hmm. or get to experience it for themselves. I mean, what is it? 1% of high school football players get, go on to play right. college football. And that's on every level, NAI all the way up to D1. Well, I do think that purists that, uh, that really just like the amateurism of sport, they will be pushed to like the FCS 
level because Chandler Burks, who scored what fifty nine touchdowns in one, you know, <laughs> broke all kind of national records, uh, you know, got some media attention, got some recognition from awards. Of course, this is before the NIL. Those guys will get. I think they'll draw more attention because that FBS level. When you see a guy on the field, knowing he's sponsored, knowing he's got that. I'd say it almost said Hummer. That's what it used to be when I was growing up. Like the the players that drove drove Hummers, you know, those high schoolers, you know, like and he's yeah, uh, yeah. you know, but he's got the uh, he's got the you know the new Mustang, whatever, sitting in his driveway, and you know the other guys are working just as hard. And I don't know. I think some of the purists could go to the FCS, but it was a decision yeah. by the NCAA that pushed that NIL. And I think it was the right thing to do. I just don't know how it's going to be managed. Uh, look, and I agree too. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't think it was wrong because it's something that's been pushed for so long. And these kids, these athletes, they are employees of the university, no matter how you want to cut it, whether you like it or not. But it does. It it, it just, like I said, it opens up a can of worms that you can't put back in. They have to put a cap on this. They have to. And I think it's going to take a year or two to figure out. But you, you can't have these kids running around in brand two, brand new Mustang GT350s. You know, making – I mean, I think it got reported that Bryce Young of Alabama has almost eclipsed a million dollars this wow. year. And, uh, I mean, that's that's nuts, man. He's college – and not only that, he's 20 years old. He doesn't know how to – he doesn't know how to handle right. that. I couldn't imagine being 20 years old getting that thrown at me. Like, it, it, it's, it's frustrating is what it is. Now, the one thing that – and I haven't really heard anyone talk about was – now you can't use your name, image, image, or likeness for with your team uniform, yep. right? But a couple years ago, when the when the Kennesaw State cheerleaders took a knee, and I hate bringing it up because it was such a frustrating thing, they took yep. a knee during the national anthem. We couldn't get media attention around the football program. This is a this is a FBS playoff team, and the local media only cared about the cheerleaders taking a knee. They'd have 11 or 12 cameras there for the national anthem to watch to have video of them taking a knee, and then they would all leave, and no one would, would report about the football game, and I think it was terrible for the program. What if a, a organization gathered the cheerleaders together or, or any athlete together and said, if you take a knee and make a political stance, you know, we will give you money for – you know, during the football game, we'll give you money. So I think that door gets open, and I think for nefarious reasons. Yeah, for nefarious reasons. Because you know what? That's my KS. I'm a KS Kennesaw State alumnus. Mm -hmm. And when I saw those cheerleaders take a knee, and I was in the military, so I'm, I'm very patriotic. When I saw them take a knee, I'm all for free speech. But when you represent something, it's about the KS. It's not about mm -hmm. you individually. It's about yep. the KS. And that's where I got... We could talk about it all day, Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? No, but, look, look, and, and, you know, I thank you for your service, man. And, and I, I agree. It was very frustrating. And I hated that that was like the most publicity we got that year. And that was, if I remember correctly, that was your first playoff appearance. We mm -hmm. beat Jacksonville. I mean, that was a huge year for the program. And it goes back to, I mean, Coach Bohannon preaches it, man. It, you play for the name on the front, not the name on the back. Um, a lot of people have lost that um, in college football, which I feel like used to be part of the pageantry mm -hmm. of college football, you know. Um, and, and I think the FCS level is where a lot of people step to because, like you said, purist, man, I mean, it, it it is the most pure form of football right now. I mean, there's no, bot, there's no sneaky recruiting stuff going on. You don't have the budget for it. Right. And 
you get to see good football. I mean, Jacksonville State, Kennesaw State, and SunTrust three years ago was amazing. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was you can't get much. The only game I saw that year that matched it was LSU and AM, who went eight overtimes. Right. And that game probably wasn't as good of a game the entire time. Um, LSU came back late and pushed it. But e- either way, it and the SEC really is the only conference that kind of matches up to it whenever you talk about the competition level. You know, every week you don't know really know who's going to win, whereas, I mean, shoot, you see what's happening in the Big 12. Yeah. Texas and Oklahoma leaving because, I mean, the competition isn't there. It, it's yeah. not – it's not it's not like what it was sub 2007 college football right you know? right all right so let's move into because we're gonna have we're gonna have to do part two with Barkley Miller about other stuff because because I love your insight on this stuff and as the, as the season progresses uh, with football we'll, we'll we'll get into some other topics but yeah. the number one thing I wanted to have you on for is the new NCA protocols were released regarding COVID and I talk, just talking to some of the people around football programs around the country last year you had operations people trying to figure out who who had had the virus who had not had the virus how many days had it been since they had the virus who can room together who can't room together where people you know what i'm saying I mean, it was such a such an amazing um like a rubik's cube of trying to figure out and keep these players safe and i think it, they did a great job I, I think the ncaa reported zero um com, i don't know infections from playing football last year yeah yeah what, what yeah. i understand so was, yeah, and and honestly, I don't understand how they would even report any from playing football, Nathan. If you're requiring a negative test, what two days before play, right? Um, going in, and then you can't be showing any symptoms either going into play. I don't understand how you could even transfer it if if that was the case. And, and not only that, don't get me wrong, COVID nineteen is it's deadly. It's killed millions of people. It's it's a very bad thing that we've had to deal with the past two years, but. Uh, just the and I know these are a bunch of guys sweating and you know spits flying everywhere you know it, it's definitely a, a way to to contact trace and everything but even in games where like I think it was Stanford last year had a safety that played and then tested positive on like Monday right afterwards and nobody got it I mean mm-hmm. it, I just think it would be so hard to transfer it you know yeah and, and um, so my understanding is talking with some medical people you really have to be in a close contact with somebody for about 10 minutes to have a significant um you know chance of of contracting it but it's very it is very contagious and it's and it's very yeah. deadly no one's making that that argument but what the NCAA yeah. has done is said if a player gets vaccinated and coaches get vaccinated, same thing, then they only have to get tested while when they're symptomatic. If you're unvaccinated, players get tested three times a week. They can be quarantined and not allowed to play, whereas vaccinated players, they don't have to quarantine. So my question is, and this, was, this is where this came up, because your body as an athlete is your – it's how you get those scholarships. It's how you perform – there's a lot of questions, and, and by the way, you mentioned it earlier, demonizing somebody for making a decision about a vaccination, whether they want to or not, is wrong. I don't care. Yeah. if you. I will never encourage someone to get vaccinated. I will never encourage someone not to get vaccinated. It is their personal choice. But your feelings on the NCAA rules, do you feel like it may be p- pushing some of these players in a direction of just get vaccinated because it's easier? 
Shoot, man. I think pushing is an understatement. Um, okay. I, I think they're almost twisting their arm to do it, which to me, like I said, is so wrong. I mean, we're talking about athletes who they're – and then on top of that, you want to go to like – you we can go a completely different route with this. Athletes, yeah, who watch everything that goes in their body, right? So it, you don't really know what's in this. Yeah, you can do your research and stuff. But, man, you start looking into that, you, you're not – unless you're just a, a – a chem major or something you're not going to know what those things are mm-hmm. what they do or what they could cause your body in the future and yeah you have all these science experts saying it's safe but at the end of the day like i said it's your body man it is your choice these athletes are so nitpicky about what they put in their body i mean whenever i played at kennesaw state they were always honest about nutrition diet this that the other and then once you get to the next level man you talk about being in the nfl these guys monitor everything that goes into their body and they know what it is and what's it going to do and how it affects you. And even whenever I played at Kennesaw State, they weighed us in every day, man. I mean, I could go and step on the scale back then and tell you within two pounds what I was going to weigh based off of what I ate and drank mm-hmm. the night before or the weekend before. So Sodas just, and I, Kool-Aid and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Um, but, and you know, and that's what I'm getting at. It, I don't understand how they think it's okay to sit there and – and say, oh, yeah, you know, you have to play by a different set of rules if you don't. But even whenever these guys do make the choice to sit there and be like, all right, I'm cool getting tested. I'm cool, like, quarantine and all that stuff. You get pressure from the coaching staff and everything because it makes their life harder. Yeah. And I don't think that's fair either because it, it is it's their body. It's their choice, man. I, I don't. I don't understand the demonizing of the players, of the people who are making this choice to not get a vaccine that doesn't even keep you from getting it, and it doesn't keep you from transferring it to other people. So at that point, I think one of the things, like you said, is you have to quarantine for two weeks if you don't have it, or is it longer? Yeah, 10 days, yeah. 10 days. You have to quarantine for two day, for 10 days if you don't have the vaccine and you contract the virus. But if you do have it, it's until the next negative test. Well, why is that, Nathan? I mean, somebody who has the vaccine can still transfer the virus, and somebody who doesn't have the vaccine can still transfer the virus. The vaccine doesn't keep you from getting the virus. The vaccine doesn't – it's not a just one-shot cure to this thing, and they're trying to act like it is. Um, so I, I just I, I don't understand why the NCAA is going about it the way they are, and I don't think it's right either. This this quote from CBS Sports that I found. Um, let me dang dude it. research. Yeah, hey, yeah, man. I, I I'm telling you, I like this. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, see, the, even CBS Sports. In short, if anyone remains unvaccinated, be prepared to take a lot of tests and wear masks. Right. Yeah, masks indoors. Yeah, masks indoors and outdoors for unvaccinated players. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Kennesaw State has the we've seen the NFL. There are plenty of guys who have decided not to take the test. So I mean, not to take the test, not to take the vaccine. Right. Um, And what happened to them? The ones who are yeah, public I mean, about it, what happens they, they to them? They get demonized. They get the media sits there and just casts them out like they're just the worst person on earth. 
Um, so I just, I don't know, man. Um, well, well it, it really frustrates me. Yeah. And I think that's the, that, that's the thing. And this isn't a political issue. This is a personal issue. And that's where, that's why I want to talk to you former athletes and Taylor Hinkle, who I know you played with in very opinionated, like you said, um, I, I wanted to get your perspective because th- this has effect on, on these athletes. And as we approach the football season, um, I've heard coaches talk about this 80%. Um, NCAA wants teams 80% vaccinated, and then you can get back to normal. Well, that's that. I mean, that's okay um, to have a goal and a milestone. But now, how do you reach that milestone when you're at 40% and players are not willing to get the vaccine? So, what do you have to do? You have to sell it to them. And I don't think that's a coach's job to sell medical, uh, you know, things. That's right. I don't think it's a coach's job to sell medical, uh, you know, things to, yeah, to students. Yeah, well, look, I agree. And like you said, it, it's not, it's not a political thing, man. This, this is a personal decision, but they're making it political. Right. Um, which I, I, I also just don't agree with, man. It, I, like I, like we talked about before and you, you, you hit on it. I'm not going to tell somebody to get it. I'm not going to tell somebody not to get it. I think it's their body, their choice. And, the NCAA loves to scream that and promote that whenever it comes to women and what's happening in women's sports. Mm-hmm. So why is it different with the COVID-19? I feel like if a woman comes out, like, for instance, when volleyball season rolls around, if the volleyball team makes a standard, like, it's our body, we want to do what we want with our body, we're not going to take it. I feel like the NCAA would be so scared to go and poke that hornet's nest because talk about bad publicity, talk about the things that can come back on them, but because it's men right now and how they just feel like that they can tell everybody what they, what they want them to do. And like I said, they're not forcing them quote unquote, but they're twisting their arm and Mm -hmm. making their life so hard. It's becoming almost a, a requirement. I mean, I've heard guys, I've heard coaches, they haven't said it because they're not going to sit there and say it in public, but I've heard whispers from some of my buddies that are still playing college football across the across the nation um, saying that, you know, they might be a starter. But they're, hey, look, man, we don't feel comfortable starting you unless you get this vaccine because yeah. if you don't, then we're going to be running with the twos anyway and you're going to be out for 10 days automatically off the bat. Which, by, mean, the, which by the way, it, that doesn't seem fair. But then not. again, the coaches have to – winning is their their life ho- livelihood it, look they they are their job is leaning on the lifeline of a bunch of 18 <laughs> to 21 year old guys i mean that's talk about a stressful job i couldn't imagine i mean you're talking about guys whenever they're probably at their dumbest is mm-hmm. those years they're going to make the most mistakes and worst decisions and your job, your, how you're getting paid is riding on that. No, that's tough. And I agree with, man, it, it's it's not right, quote unquote, for them to say that. But at the same point, you're right. They have to win. They have to they have to play by the NCAA's rules. They don't have mm-hmm. a choice. Right. Um, and, and that's why I think that this has just become so, so polar. Um, it, it's gotten it's gotten to a point where. Like I said, it, these these kids, they feel forced to take mm-hmm. the vaccine, and, and I, I just don't agree with it. Okay, so as we wrap this up, if you're part of the NCAA and you, you're in the room, you get a chance to have influence, how do you feel like – what do you think the very first step should be for the NCAA regarding 
health of your of your student athletes, whether it's the flu, whether it's COVID, whether it's you know whatever. What's the first thing you're doing for for uh, these protocols? Man, the first thing I'm doing personally, I, I would. I, I don't think the mandatory testing is necessarily a bad idea. Um, it's something that they did last year, and that wasn't the issue last year in college football. That wasn't what kept guys from being a team. What kept guys from being a team is the protocol of you can't be in the building at the same time, the contact tracing, all that. I, I, I'm okay with the testing. But at the same point, I, I would ask NCAA, I would ask them, why did we not – care that much like do you Nathan whenever you played football in high school you know and even the football you've been around how many guys do you know that had the flu and went and played mm-hmm. I mean it happened all the time and don't get me wrong I'm not trying to compare the flu to COVID it's two completely different entities but I, I just don't understand why like they're taking this and trying to change the game with it I know a lot of it has to do with CDC and the regulations um, and they're just trying to play off of that because they can't stand a lawsuit either. Nobody does. We're in a very sue-happy society. And anytime they see a, an opportunity to do so, I feel like people jump at it. But that, that's one thing that I would talk to the NCAA about. I would say I, I think that the, the testing is fine. But I think once you get a negative test, I think you should be able to play. Right. The quarantine for 10 days mandatory, I, I don't think that that's right for – vaccinated and unvaccinated players another thing i would go into i don't think the i don't think it's right or very humanizing to sit there and separate the guys like if you have a guy on the team that i mean if this was a religious thing if they couldn't get the vaccine for a religious reason they wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot you know i mean they they wouldn't because they don't want that backlash so and honestly whenever it comes down to it you could argue that all the christian guys on the team might not want to get vaccinated because in the bible your body is your temple they might not want to put that in their body mm-hmm. um you know and and like you said athletes are so nitpicky about what they put in their body anyway i know von miller is a perfect example he is he only does vegetarian he only does this vegan vegetarian diet because whenever he eats red meat and chicken and all this other stuff his doctors found out the way that his body reacts. He he swells a lot more. He has a lot more increase in injury ratings and all, all that stuff. And that's something that he's learned and found out through playing throughout the years. So that'd be like them telling him, no, you have to eat red meat mm-hmm. because you have to keep your weight up. And, and that's not something that they feel like is right to do. So I don't think they should be able to do it with the vaccine. I think the, the best thing the NCAA could have done is come out and say – a player's medical history is no one's business but their own and their doctors. Yeah, and we're not yeah. going to we're not going to ask. We're not going to publicize. Uh, pu- publicize. Uh, we're going to encourage vaccinations because they think you know they think it's the best thing. But it's a dead issue, and we're going to go play football. We're going to go play these sports and let the teams and the personnel around them manage it. And I don't know if you remember this or not. And this, I don't know if it was a COVID outbreak or not, but in December 2019, Kennesaw State was playing North Alabama. We had 17 players out with the flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and no, you're right. They, they won that game, but it swept through the team. And a week later... They got beat by Monmouth. I bet those kids were worn down because they just wanted to get back to the field. You know, the flu takes it out of you. But uh, it swept through the team. Guess what? They managed it. They went and yeah. the team, the players that were sick and not able to play, they didn't play. Uh, the ones who could muscle through it, they muscled through it. So 
that's where I think it, that's what I think the best thing the NCAA could have done is just say, it's up to the teams, it's up to the players, because there's team doctors, there's team nutritionists, there's those coaches care about those kids, and we know that. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's like, and they're like family, man. And that's something that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. It, a lot of people do think, think it's just X's and O's. It's not. I mean, Coach Bohannon makes a point to know the name of every player on the team, Coach Klein, Coach Chestnut, all these guys. They, it's a personal relationship. We show up and it's like we're back, you know, and right. they, they treat us like we're family because we are. We're part of the Kennesaw State family. And that's one of the biggest things at Kennesaw. And I know it's like that across the country. So, uh, and, and here's my question too, Nathan. Five years from now, do you not think that's how it's going to be? We're, we're not going to have these same protocols. We're not going to have – and whenever I played at Kennesaw State, I never got pushed to take the flu vaccine. I never got pushed to take the measles and, mm-hmm. I mean, not that, uh, the, the chicken pox vaccine. Sure. I mean, that, that wasn't something that came up. And five years from now, that's not something that's going to come up in college football. It's going to be the same way. It's going to say – whoever Murphy is not playing due to COVID-19 slash flu, you know, it's going to be listed on the injury report. It's not going to be, you know, he wasn't vaccinated, so he's not playing all this stuff, you know? Well, I don't think there's an easy answer to anything right now. Um, And we all have our opinions. And I think that uh, for the most part, I don't, I wouldn't want to be in the room right now trying to make those decisions because I don't oh, know. Absolutely, I, I have I have I talked to Kelly Marsnick about this. I have two daughters. They're sixteen and fourteen, and they're at that age now. They're saying, "Dad, should we take the vaccine?" All my friends have the vaccine, or you know, you know, we have to wear masks if we don't have the vaccine, and so on. Matter of fact, my daughter got contact traced the second day of school, and at the time they were sending kids home for ten days with no instruction. For ten days, no. you couldn't come back. You couldn't come back to school. There was no virtual learning. She was a rising ninth grader in high school, and she was scared to death. She's like, "I'm going to be so far behind." The school that morning reversed and changed their protocol that she can come to school with a mask. I think that's fair, and I think it was a very good job by yeah. Cobb County Schools to to make that decision. But my daughters are asking me for should I take the vaccine, and I've done all kind of research, and I've talked to our personal pediatricians, and I literally have pediatricians in my family. One who says, take the vaccine, it's safe, they need to be protected. And another pediatrician who says, there's just not enough data right now. Mm-hmm. And so, and we're all caught in the middle. So yeah. I think the best thing to do is wait for, for my daughters. And this is not for anybody else. My, do- my, my stance is to wait until they have more data. And, and then, you know, my 16-year-old is almost old enough to be making her own decisions anyway. But yeah. uh, wait until there's more um, there's more data because there's just not a whole lot right now. We, we're a, a year and a half into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree, man. And that's, that's another thing that I've tried to get at with this whole conversation is like you said, that's fair. It's fair that they let her come back to school with a mask instead of forcing her out and making her be 10 days behind without any direction. That's how I think it should be with college football too. I mean, I think they should make it fair because it's not fair for a guy that's not vaccinated to have to sit out 10 days and then take a negative test while Mm -hmm. a vaccinated guy just needs a negative test whenever a vaccinated guy can still transfer it and he can still have symptoms. He can still like, it's not like it really changes the game that much. Yeah. Um, And and man, I feel bad for you anyway, making decision over a 14 and 16 year old (laughs) girl. That's no matter what, I'm going to be wrong. You know what I'm saying? No matter what I'm going to be wrong. (laughs) So. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, and 
You're right, though. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be on the NCAA making these decisions. I know it, it, it's our job to sit there and criticize them. I mean, you know, that, that's, what, that's what we get paid for. But it, it's not – you couldn't pay me enough money to sit there and make the decision of millions and millions of people and yeah. tell them what's right and wrong. Because no matter which way you go, Nathan, somebody's going to say that you're wrong. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, if if the NCAA did say it, like, if, if they wanted to do it exactly how we said and we agreed with them, somebody else would be telling them that they're wrong right. and killing Well, right. And I, I mean, I heard a student, uh, it was a, uh, it was not Georgia. It was a school board member from some somewhere that said, allowing kids to return to school turns them into murderers. And I'm like, yeah. what? So there's just all, there's just all kind of craziness going on. But Mark Barkley, I really appreciate your time this morning, and we're going to continue this conversation. And of you know, I, I think it's important to get the student athlete's perspective. And being a former student athlete, I think that um, that's that's better than than involving any current student athlete. Let them go play football. Let them focus yeah. on football. Let the coaches. I mean, we we. So me and uh, Brandon Joseph, who I know you've worked with, um, yeah. have the AQ7 podcast because we're, you know, the the new conference in the FCS is the A-Sun WAC Alliance. And um, yeah. we've talked to almost every coach in those. And we just don't bring it up. You know, we want to talk football. Let's get back to normalcy. Um, some coaches have, have brought up the challenges of, of the protocols a little bit, but, the, but we just want to talk football. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah, man, and I agree. Uh, it, it's gotten to a point where people have beat a dead horse beyond death by now. I mean, it's something that gets brought up in every conversation, and I feel bad for the kids that get pulled for interviews to talk about it. Um, like you said, they're trying to get past it, man. They're, they are. They're just trying to go play football. That's something that we've tried to make a point of on the inside of the nest. Every time we interview a kid, we don't want to talk to them about that. That's something we talked about all last year. Yeah. We've heard it. Now, it is fun to talk about how – excited they are to be back with their teammates that's a positive spin that i don't think is an issue but to sit there and ask them about the challenges of covid19 and how they feel about the vaccine and everything man like you said you're right they're kids you need to let them go play well look man it's it's great to get your insight i'm fired up about the kennesaw state football season i'm going to be in the booth um and i don't know i haven't heard about the color analyst thing well i think you're good looking enough to be on tv i'm not so i think they're going to throw me in radio and and you're going to get a chance to be out there but uh man i look forward to seeing you out there thank you so much for taking the time this morning i'm gonna reach out again we'll we'll talk some more um college football and and uh kind of life stuff as the as yeah. the season goes on Absolutely, Nathan. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. Looking forward to come back on. All right, everybody. Barkley Miller. You know, this is such a serious topic, and uh, I, I just I really appreciate Kelly and and Barkley being very candid about a a situation that they still have connections to and they still have friends that are dealing with it. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have an answer. As I talked told Barkley earlier, no one really has an answer. You just do the best that you can. And you hope everybody's safe. The player safety is obviously number one, but then there's also the environment that they're playing in and the, uh, the the ripple effect of decisions made by the NCAA. So I really do appreciate those uh, those comments by Barkley and Kelly, and thank you guys for checking it out. We're going to get Taylor Hinkle on uh, one of these days. He's got a great story and uh, a beautiful young family, so we look forward to doing that in the future. In the meantime, everybody take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mary McCrary Broadcasting Podcast. 
I really appreciate it. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you next week. 